Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to the Big Chew Podcast. I'm your host, Maria Stockmuller. Here at the Big Chew, we ask, hey, how can we live on Earth without the stupid? What can science tell us? What can spirit tell us? So grab a bite and let's masticate. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Steve and Chrissy Hilliker of the Voices of Deconversion podcast. Let's recap. They were devout evangelicals. Steve was studying to become a pastor. Even though a college education evidently isn't necessary to become an evangelical pastor, which I find bizarre but somehow self-explanatory, then Steve and Chrissy started to question their belief in God an afterlife, the Bible, the whole enchilada. After living with gods and demons and speaking in tongues, where do you find fulfillment? Can you find spirituality in nature, community with others, and learning about stuff you didn't believe in before, like evolution? Your lives were so enveloped by this whole idea that you were going to be living God's will and and that you were actually going to be involved in promulgating it. What do you do when you decide that that's no longer how you roll? Did you mourn stuff that you were giving up? Oh, oh yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. Yep. Like what kind of um, stuff were you sad to, to leave? I, well, first of all, when I realized I wasn't Christian, I was scared of hell still. Like, it still bothered me a little bit. Like, I would make myself feel better by realizing that I'd, like, learned the facts about the Bible and that I understood them well and to not worry. And so over time that went away. But I would be driving in the car sometimes, and um, I would want to pray, and I wouldn't know what to do. And it felt horrible because it was such a basic fundamental part of my life every single day. I would pray throughout the day, you know? And so to not know what to do with those thoughts, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would, I would have just this, this instinct to say like, God, you know, I'm really having a hard day today. I just really need your help to, you know, um, do, you know, do better at, at work or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So not knowing what to do with myself, that was a hard adjustment. What Mm -hmm. about for you? I think praying is a good one. I still sometimes feel like when I'm in a really difficult situation, it would be really nice just to be able to lay this at someone else's feet, you know? And I think that's how I thought of it when I was a Christian. Um, I was laying my problems at God's feet and he was going to take care Mm -hmm. of it. And that idea is so comforting. And um, I can see why people would, would really cling to that. Um, Even if they don't get results, so to speak. Exactly. Because you just kind of believe that, that God is going to, even if you don't get the results you want, that was God's will. So you can kind of let go. But I, but now I think I've replaced it with sort of a, it, you know, this too shall pass. Like the, you know, these trials pass, they come and they go. And I've sort of, I've learned that all those times that I was praying, I was really comforting myself. Mm -hmm. 
And so sort of an internal sense of I can take care of myself now. Um, I'm all I need to get through this Mm -hmm. is um, sort of where I'm at with that. But, um, you know, that that is hard. You feel like you're losing a best friend. That that's what I was going to say. The whole time you're saying that I was thinking what the prayer thing's getting at is it sounds super cheesy to people who maybe haven't experienced it. But God was like a best friend. Like he was a father figure. He was like a parent figure. He was um, he knew you better than any than you knew yourself. You know what I mean? So he represents this best friend that's been with you your whole life that wants the best for you, that has helped you in bad times, who has um, been happy with you in good times. I mean, it's like you've had this relationship with somebody all this time. And all of a sudden, when that's gone and you realize it doesn't exist, that's really hard because, one, you feel like a fool. But, two, you miss that relationship. I mean, it was a real thing for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I that was a that was huge um to lose that so steve what do you do uh, and, with your uh, all your free time since you're not driving and praying and stuff like that what do you i mean no <laughs> that's a big, that's nah. a big chunk of i mean i i remember when i was a devout kid you know i i prayed a lot it's a thing i mean it's it's a an activity in your life so is there something that replaces that no that's that's hard for me because I, I don't know that I did replace it. I mean, I think I just got used to not praying. So like over time, you know, if a thought came to mind, it was just like, well, you know, I'm not going to pray about it because God's not there. So, um, I, you know, sometimes, I mean, like some people do, you know, you, you kind of talk, talk out loud, you know, as you're driving to try to like think through a problem or something. So I might do that from time to time, but yeah, I don't think, I don't know that I ever replaced it. Um, but that which made it really hard for me because if you don't have something to replace it with then you just like it you kind of suffer through it until it goes away yeah and so chrissy you became a social worker right you you went and you got your degrees and you became a social worker yeah well actually uh i'm working right now with people with intellectual disabilities Mm -hmm. um and so i i write habilitation plans and um and it's funny you know I think going back to school, I was, I think, 27 when I went back to school. Um, and I that was the best thing I could have done because, um, I mean, I didn't even know anything about geology or, um, you know, the first class I took was geology when I went mm-hmm. back and it was, I learned about the fossil record <laughs> and I had just be, become an atheist and I was like, oh, this is, this is amazing. I felt like a little kid, you know, I was so excited about what I was learning and finding out how the world works. So yeah. So then I, I took some psychology classes, got my associates with an emphasis in psychology. And then I thought about what I wanted to do. And I always, and you know, all of this with the background of really kind of coming into my own and finding out who I am. And I, I've always loved social justice Mm -hmm. issues and, um, and so social welfare was a good pick. And, um, and so it's this is kind of where it's led me. So, so when you guys um, were evangelicals, you weren't. No one ever discussed, or did they discuss, how long the Earth has been here, or what was that whole, what was that whole worldview like? Well, the Earth was no more than eight thousand years serious? old. Are you serious? You actually grew up 6, with six thousand was what I believe. Yeah. Wow. Um, like yeah, we did, and I think that that's unfortunately our education system kind of lets us get away with that. Right. But also I had, you know, I had people in the church who had degrees in biology and stuff who 
were willing to say, no, this is how it is. And I think if that's the only narrative you're hearing, then it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I didn't ever think about evolution because it was just wrong. It just wasn't correct. And it was it was a lie kind of a thing. So you, I just never gave it thought. Um, and I just assumed, I guess I just assumed the, the world was about 6,000 years old. And there's not even anything in the Bible that supports that. I mean, that's such, it's weird that it's a thing that it's that Christians cling on to like conservatives, but mm -hmm. that's what we believed. Yeah. That it was a young earth. And yeah. And so what did you think? Did you think that there had been dinosaurs or anything like that? Or was that just <laughs> yeah. something that God put I, there to fake you out or? You know, funny enough, I, I loved dinosaurs as a kid. So, um, I believed in dinosaurs. I don't know that I ever even thought it through. I never no. thought through like the timeline. I, um, I don't remember that coming up where it was like, well, dinosaurs are millions of years old. Actually, when it came to like carbon dating and stuff, the people I was listening to were saying things like, it's not accurate, it's incorrect. So if I was watching, you know, the Discovery mm -hmm. Channel and they talk about, you know, a 200 million year old fossil, I just would doubt that it was that old. I'd believe that was a real fossil, but I would just mm -hmm. not believe that they, the conclusion that it was that old, you know, how could they really know that, you know? It, it's kind of crazy how we can kind of, people can kind of shield themselves with ignorance, mm -hmm. you know, like they, they will just take, um, someone in authority will say, well, that's not real. And so you just revert back to that authority figure and you don't question it, you know? And I think that, man, that really answers a lot of the weird questions we have today about, um, the political system. <laughs> Meanwhile, your kids, I mean, do you think they noticed or have they ever told you anything about this time where they noticed that things changed or were they too little really to pick up on that? Yeah, they were too little. Um, we used to pray with them every night and we would, um, you know, let them watch Christian cartoon videos. Oh, there's um, fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we had immersed them in the same kind of church culture that we were immersed in, but up into the ages of probably like, uh, let's see, Ryan would have been about uh, four, four yeah. and three mm -hmm. years old. So they were still young enough that this, what was really hard was when, when I stopped praying with them at night, like I felt like I was evil. Like I'm not, I'm not joking. Like I felt like a really, like I was doing something bad to them. Mm -hmm. Like I was harming mm -hmm. them by stopping the prayers at night. Um, and so that was, that was really hard to get used to, but yeah. they don't remember any of that, thankfully, um, because that would have been hard to explain, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So they don't really remember. So it. you just started reading them stories instead or whatever when you tuck yeah, them in? I, yeah. I guess just reading them, um, little kid books and good night moon. <laughs> yeah. Good night moon. <laughs> So there was a lot of pain and loss and confusion, but you also talk about a certain level of excitement. Like Chrissy, you said, you know, when you, when you started looking at geology or, or Steve, you know, learning new things, how did that compensate? Did that start to compensate for what you were leaving behind? Could you see yourself living in a world where that's where you got your yayas or... Yeah, um, I know my answer to that. What What's your answer? And then I'll. Um, I guess the hard the hardest thing to get used to long term is when you've grown up in a church, you have a really strong community, and I think that was the hard the hardest long term loss 
Um, you don't have that strong community that have known you since you were little. But I, I do think we filled it in with things, you know, just different interests, um, political interests. And yeah, um, what's funny. Oh, sorry. No, it's OK. Go ahead. Um, what's funny about that is it was late to that or mid 2005 when I didn't believe. And then it was about a year later. So I graduated in 06. So it literally was right when President Bush was screwing everything up. And it was like it was coming out that he was like, you know, like we're at war and we shouldn't have gone into Iraq. Mm. And so we got really kind of, you know, indignant about like we um going to admit this. We voted for Bush twice. Oh uh, sorry. But really? I, did. I know. Well, we were evangelicals at the no. time. So he yeah. was the guy, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was coming in after immoral Bill Clinton. So we were like, <laughs> we're like, here's an upstanding guy and he believes in the Bible. And <laughs> so felt deceived by that. Felt like we're in this war. Thousands of people have died. Like it, the economy, of course, about a year yeah. later starts to crash. And so not only were we disillusioned with the church, but then we're disillusioned with the Republican Party, which yeah. we had always just it was like um you're a christian so you're a republican right i mean we never thought of anything different like christians were not democrats that's weird because you know, my family was always democrat you know hardcore because yeah. a lot of catholics especially working class ethnic or working class ethnic people are usually catholic or they were and it's funny that to you christians were republicans yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. um it's i Jesus's until i went party. to what? It said it's Jesus's party. <laughs> yeah. Until I went to school at a Lutheran college, which is mainline um, denomination, I didn't know that very many Christians or any Christians were Democrats. So I learned that like, you know, Presbyterian, uh, Methodist, um, Episcopalian, all those denominations and many Catholics are a lot of times Democrats. So yeah, so um, we started to get into political stuff a little bit. And it was exciting to learn about the Democratic Party and actually consider them for once. Like, we, I would just not even consider a Democrat um, because they were pro-gay and pro-abortion. So I was just like, because of those things, I'm not even going to, you know, consider it. Um, but then we started to open up to it, and of course, that's when Barack Obama starts coming, you know, into the scene. And um, I'm a political junkie, so I was really excited about all of that and listening to the debates as him and Clinton were going through all that. And so I guess. We replaced it with politics. Mm-hmm. Um, we replaced it with learning about uh, science. And I read a book on evolution. I read a book on uh, James Hutton and geology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that's also, coincidentally, when all the books were coming out from Christopher Hitchens uh, and Richard Dawkins yeah. and Daniel Dennett, all these atheists, you know, God is not great, uh, the God delusion, mm-hmm. all these books are coming out. And I'm just like voraciously like, like just reading everything I can get my hands on. Um, and so it was exciting in that sense that like, I'm learning, what does it mean to be an atheist? Uh, well, first of all, what do I call myself? Okay. Well, maybe I identify as an atheist. And so then I start to learn about like, where do I get my morals? Cause I, I, I got a book called parenting beyond belief and it was all like the chapters were broke up by, um, different parents talking about how they teach their kids like morality and that was one of the scariest things for me because I, I didn't know, like, where do you get your morality from if you don't believe in God? Mm-hmm. Um, so learning, I guess, was something that we kind of filled ourselves with. Um, but, you know, and it was very satisfying in some ways. But at, at the same time, I think um, for me, at least, it was uh, still really difficult because I had to get a job at a call center right out of college. And um, 
you know, raising a family and I had no idea, like, what am I going to do with my life, with my career? I still am not quite sure, like, what direction I want to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, 10 years later. Um, but, you know, you, you get a job where you can and then try to find something that that works okay for you. And um, so for me, I don't know that I've, I don't know, it's Christianity is such a grand, like, the narrative that we grew up with was so, it was so amazing. I mean, it's good versus evil. And it's like, God, this amazing creator has this great plan for you. He cares about you. And there's this huge like narrative that goes along with it. And then it's gone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, life is just kind of like, you get up, you go to work, you come home on the weekends, you do fun stuff. Like, (laughs) it's just so much less exciting (laughs) that I think there is a big letdown from that. Like, um, one guy who I love, um, he has a blog, his name is, uh, Neil Carter and he goes by Godless and Dixie mm-hmm. and he, in one of his blogs equated it to, and this is going to sound really, um, insulting to Christians, but it's not meant to be, it's just meant to be like an analogy, um, to Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story when he comes from <laughs> the planet, this crazy planet and he's fighting Zerg and like, it's this like huge, important mission that he's on. Right. And then he realizes he's just a toy. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I think that's a really good analogy is, because yeah. you come from this world where everything is like all this angels stuff, and demons, right? And... There's, there's spiritual warfare going on. And like, I grew up thinking I had a guardian angel that would like be in my room and like protect me from demons and stuff. <laughs> and so when you realize like, you're just a toy, but it's not so bad being a toy. <laughs> but are right? you really a toy or were you a toy before? You were kind <laughs> of like a oh, God yeah. toy before. You think you're a, yeah, you think you're like Buzz Lightyear. You think you're something you're not. You think that it's a bigger deal. You think that you're fighting evil. And then you realize like, you're just like every other toy around here. Like it's. Everybody's important. We're all, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should bust out and you got a friend in me. Yeah, right no. Now. No. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, I kind of went on no, a little no, bit of a uh, ramble there. When but. you look at it, w- look at where you are now. What do you think are some of the prime characteristics of your worldview now? I just want to say Weltanschauung because I just want to say that. <laughs> That's a German yeah, word. Yeah, for worldview. Awesome. Yeah, my, like son, my son's taking Oh, German. that's right. Yeah. It has two U's in it. Weltanschauung. Anyway, um, so was it a relief not to think about going to hell anymore? Or are you just left with, oh, now what happens? Or what, what, so how, how would you describe what's important to you in life? And, and if that has changed? I, for me, I think the, the, the biggest thing the biggest relief, and I kind of touched on it earlier, but the biggest relief for me was um, the realization that really we are all, I guess I would consider myself a humanist. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, everyone's important. And um, yeah, I think I think a lot of those strongly held religious beliefs were, were replaced with strongly held beliefs in social justice, and which is why I chose social welfare um, as an area of study. But um, I think that's really, I wouldn't say a religion, but I think I feel very passionately about that. I think, um, yeah, I, I, is that what your question was? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that, and I think uh, another thing that we didn't, I didn't really talk about was just uh, my discovery of feminism. Mm-hmm. 
was really big for me because, you know, it helped me kind of define who I was as a woman and my place in the world and, and my value. And I think that I, that overlaps into every other aspect, you know, how I view people in the world. And, um, yeah, I feel like feminism is humanism just with an emphasis, Mm -hmm. right? Well, it's kind of, uh, bringing it up to a level of equality. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. What's your, what's your worldview? What would you say? has replaced this religious worldview where God's going to, you know, yeah. you're, you're going to discern his will, you're going to do a certain thing, you're going to die, and you're going to try to go to heaven. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, even today, like the idea that, that heaven doesn't exist, like bothers me almost more than the fact that God doesn't really? exist. Because, yeah, it's like the idea that like you go on, that you, I mean, we've kind of talked about this before, but um the idea that you you live on that death is not the end like that's super hopeful to me and maybe it's because that's how i grew up and it's just always going to be like seared into my um into my thoughts and stuff but um that 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 was really hard um and still kind of a bummer when i think about it but um so what do you what do you think happens when you when you die well i mean now i think when you when you die you're dead <laughs> <laughs> well that's novel <laughs> <laughs> not so exciting but um so that's a little bit of a mourning process you know going through all that but um what that means for me is it means that you've got one shot you've got one life and of course we all know that things don't always go the way you plan them um but it made me really feel like life that the life you live is so much more important now because um, you know, as a Christian, you could live like a hermit and you could like sell all your belongings and you could have a very, very difficult life serving Christ. And if you die, you'd be rewarded in heaven. It would all get better. So, but like now, if there are people in the world who are suffering and like they live an entire life of suffering, that's it. That was their life. Like they lived an entire life, you know, Uh, And many, probably many people through history, you know, have suffered greatly and their lives have been horrible. And the reality is that's really sad. But the kind of exciting thing is like, hey, um, there's more emphasis on, you know, God's not going to come and and make it better. People have to make it better. Um, So Chrissy's social justice stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like um, it really put a lot more emphasis on like, um, this is our world. This is you know, our, our existence and you get a chance to make an impact in some way. And I think it makes you want to do good. It makes you want to find a way that you can do good. And like, not to put in a shameless plug for our podcast, but like, honestly, we talked about things that bring fulfillment. And when I was young, it was football. Like I was obsessed with it. I loved it. And then it was, I'm gonna, you know, that's not going to work out. Okay. That's fine, God. Um, I'll serve you with my life. And then my best friend, you know, God, <laughs> disappears, right? He's gone. Well, he was invisible and, the entire time. And so it's like, <laughs> right. It's like, um, what what's the purpose of my life now? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point? What's the point in living? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I here? What, what am I here for? Here at that point now, I'm married with children and I'm already, ra- you know, I'm already they're already, you know, seven and eight years old at that time, or, you know, they're starting to grow up and like life's taking shape. 
and I completely missed the mark. And so now it's how do I get back on onto the boat? How do I get back on and, and like write the ship and and find my direction? And for me, like, I mean, the last it's, it's been 10 years. So like the last 10 years has been staring out the window at the call center and just wondering, like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, you know, I don't want to answer phones for the rest of my life. That's super depressing. And thankfully, I got out of the call center environment. But the thing for me, like, like, honestly, um, having gone through all this and having experienced how difficult it is, um, starting the podcast was a big deal because and I kind of came to it progressively, but I I found that I was really like, I felt silenced because everyone in my life was Christian. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't really talk to them about mm -hmm. anything. And so I felt like um, talking about it with people, sharing my experience with them. And if they were listening, it was really healing for me. And it really helped me process everything. So the thought, you know, occurs to me, like, I want to help people like who went through what I went mm -hmm. through. And, and to be perfectly honest, at this point in my life, I feel like that is, um, that's the one thing I want to do. And I, and, and I'm, I want to help other people who are going through that. So that to me brings a lot of fulfillment, that idea mm -hmm. that there's someone out there who was just like me starting that process, feeling isolated. Everyone's Christian in their family. The idea that like they would find out someone else knows what they're going right. through. I, I wish I would have had that 10 years ago. And it's almost, yeah. I've always thought about your situation that it's like you're being a pastor in a different way. You know, you're helping people um, come to an understanding of what they're going through, connecting them with other people uh, who have experienced similar things. You're kind of forming a community, which is really what most people go to religion, or that's one of the reasons they go to religion, is because they want to they want to connect. And you're you're helping people find their way out of painful situations and into something that's healthier and that's uh that's kind of that's pastoral work yeah i mean maybe that is just like a part of that's maybe that's always just been a part of who i was like when i was uh you, you know younger like coaching like helping coach I, I would help coach like a wrestling team or help help you know um help out with the football team or something and just encouraging people like to help them develop better like that excited me and then I've always thought about like teaching would be a fun career, you know, but, um, but yeah, the, the encouragement piece, the like helping people not suffer as much, mm -hmm. you know, and, and encourage them, give them hope. Yeah. It just, it, it's super fulfilling. It's, it's very, um, it just makes me feel like I'm doing good. I'm, I'm impacting the world in a positive way in my little corner of the universe, you know? <laughs> So. And are, from the people you've spoken to um, for the Voices of Deconversion podcast, and we'll have a we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Do you find there's an, kind of an automatic understanding of people? I know, like if I go to a cocktail party and there's which when do I do that? I live up way up in Vermont where you're lucky if you know <laughs> you, you usually go to the dump and see people. <laughs> oh, here yeah, it's all. <laughs> yeah, we talked. Anyways, so. <laughs> but, you know, say I'm at some social gathering and there's someone there who's around the same age who went to Catholic school or someone who was raised Catholic. I don't care where you are, where I am in the country. You just automatically nail it. You know what this person yeah. 
you know, I, I met a guy once who um, was giving a talk about the death penalty, and he was a death penalty uh, abolition advocate and had done a lot of work with people on death row. And I remember asking him, so how did you get into this? And he said, well, you know, I went to Catholic school and um, I knew what it was like to be blamed for things that I didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, oh, wow. that's like yeah. you know, he got kicked wow. out of a couple of Catholic schools and ultimately that led to him doing death penalty work. So do you find with the people wow. you talk with on the podcast that, that, that core is there for you? I do think for some of them. Yeah. I don't think everybody, cause pe some people have very different experiences, but one, there's a couple of themes that I've kind of noticed, like a lot of people at really bothered them the um to discriminate against gay people or to not view gay people as being um i guess viewing gay people as sinful that that's bothered multiple people that i've talked to and um sexuality has come out as something that's really um just in general something that the church represses and that's a kind of a a theme I've noticed. I do think the guilt is big, mm -hmm. um, you know, and different, you know, like for Catholics, it, it's a little different maybe, um, uh, uh, just in different ways. I think it, it, it sucks either way. Like <laughs> if, um, if you're a teenage boy and you masturbate, you feel like you've just sinned against the God of the universe, you right. know? <laughs> which is ridiculous, right? When you think about it, it's like, that's so dumb. <laughs> like, like the God of the universe would give a shit if you're, you know, doing Steve's that. But... In his room, the door closed again. <laughs> That's it. Eternal damnation. It's just ridiculous. You know, one of the people I talked to went through, like, had an abusive um, childhood. So the parents weren't good examples. So leaving Christianity was kind of like a, yeah, this, this is was bad. Was that me or was that somebody else? <laughs> but it's a theme. Yeah, they went, yeah, they had a pretty abusive um, upbringing, but... I think for a couple people, it was kind of a realization, like they just kind of, uh, the more they learned and the more they experienced with life, like Chrissy, she got to know gay people. And then um, another friend of mine, uh, you know, he, he knew some gay people really well and it really started to bother him. And, and it's kind of this slow deconstruction for some people, um, in, unless it was traumatic, like with the one person I was referring to. Chrissy, when you mentioned before that you had had spiritual experiences when you were Christian, is there anything that has measured up to that, that kind of gives you that um, other than usual kind of experience? I think that's a pretty big, that's a big question, I think, because the spiritual experiences that I had, um, I think were born out of, um, you know, when I was younger was born out of tremendous stress and trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've never been, fortunately, I've never been in that situation again where I've needed that kind of, uh, I guess, I don't know. I, my my spirituality has changed. I do very much feel spiritual when I'm listening to music or when I'm in nature or, you know, um, looking at the stars. You know, I still have those feelings of or when I hear a good speech, you know, sometimes you'll get the um, the goosebumps, you mm -hmm. know, or, um, you know, so I do think I still have a sense of spirituality and a sense of awe and wonder. Um, and I think those, those times usually come when I have a moment of silence. 
uh, oftentimes in nature. Um, but the spiritual experiences I had as a youth, I think were really genuinely born of trauma and um, fear. And uh, I think that your brain is very susceptible to, I don't know, I, I, Sam Harris wrote a whole book on it. I think, <laughs> you know, like there's kids who've experienced trauma and they see an angel or something and they, and they believe that the angel's there right. to protect them. And I think those are the types of things that um, your, bra- your brain does to kind of pr- protect mm-hmm. itself. Um, and so that's, I guess, how I would explain away some of those in my own mind now, looking back. Were they um, similar to that kind of experience where you felt a presence or you saw a presence? Yeah. Ab- yep. Ab- sometimes they were terrifying and other times they were um, wonderful. And I, I it just depends on um, the situation. Well, one thing that I remember, some people have uh, night paralysis where they wake up and they yeah. can't move. And oh my gosh, I had that happen when I was a few times when I was a teenager and I thought that it was the devil. <laughs> I thought Satan was holding oh. me down and I was terrified. And so that that was actually one of the spiritual experiences, which that had a very like a very um, biological scientific explanation to it. It was it had nothing to do with any kind of angels and demons It had everything to do with my body just didn't wake up as soon as my yeah. brain did, you know, <laughs> So that was, um, you know, that was that was one of them, which now I kind of understand. And um, and some of the other things were just being really, you know, the charismatic church, um, you get into a really vulnerable mental state. Um, you know, you see videos of people speaking in tongues and all this stuff that they really do believe is true. And they're they're just in a sort of a really vulnerable mental state. In so a group. You, you were around uh, people who spoke in tongues when you were Christians? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And people yeah. would just kind of do that. Yeah. And... yeah. And it was. <laughs> and we spoke you in tongues. Did. Yes, we did. did. Yes, we didn't know what the heck we were saying, but it was angel, angel language. Angel language, it's called? <laughs> I'm sorry, an- angel language. Angel that's language. what I meant. <laughs> Other, no, otherwise, was the Holy glossolalia. I think is what, that's <laughs> there the you technical go. term, isn't it? Yeah, that's ah. like the Greek word for that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned being in nature, and since you live in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, there's some stunning views, yeah. and there's just you can be in these stunning places. Um, you've got water, you've got forests, you've got mountains, and uh, when you were when you were Christian, were you able to enjoy that? Or was that, because I've known some Christians who was like, oh, well, that would be paganism. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think know. I think there was, this, um, there there is always the fear that you would worship creation more than the creator. But I, that really never played into my, I think humans, I think nature makes humans human spiritual. I don't think it's, it's part of our DNA. You know, I think when you're out somewhere beautiful, there's nothing more healing. And I'm, and they've done all sorts of studies that spending time in nature can help help with depression. And, and, um, you know, so I, th- I think it's just, a, it's just a fact that when we spend time quietly meditate, you know, kind of in a meditative, um, frame of mind in nature, it's, it's going to have a positive impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always, felt that way I think um I guess the way I define spirituality is is different now I think that um kind of a getting in tune with myself and oneness and and um taking time to just be quiet 
is how I would define spirituality for myself now. Um, and I think that's really easy to tap into when you're, when you're in mm-hmm. nature. Um, I think it can be, you know, it can be tapped into anywhere, but, um, but yeah, no, I've always, I've always, I would, you know, like I said, I was born in Montana and I go during summers, I go to Montana and that's another place oh, that's yeah. beautiful in its own, in its own way. And, you know, they call it big sky when you, when you go out there and, you know, there's no light pollution and you just see so many stars mm-hmm. in the sky. And it's, um, I guess there's no other way to define it. It's a spiritual is a good way to describe it, even if there's no, I guess, supernatural aspect to it. Um, oh, sense? absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, there are some yeah. philosophers, I, I think of this guy, Loyal Rue. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's he's a wonderful writer, and he has a book called Nature is Enough. He considers himself a religious naturalist, and his point of view suggests that, you know, that feeling that you get, that is part of being human. That's part of our human mm. legacy, that split between spirit and matter that was so much part of the Greeks and then Augustine and that we've inherited. And then that Descartes, for example, uh, reinforced that dualism doesn't actually exist. Nature and spirit and humans are all the same. You know, that you don't have to necessarily look outside of your earthly experience for for something that's going to rock your world, you know? I think there's truth to that, for sure. Yeah, and um, I felt like... I was inspired by nature, but I always viewed it um, as like God's creation. So, you know, I was in God's creation and it's beautiful and it's awe-inspiring and all of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Chrissy on that in the sense that like I never viewed it as bad to <clears throat> like be in it or, or enjoy it. So, talked about things that that like you fill your life with now that replace what you used to have and um for me the community was a big deal and so finding sunday Mm -hmm. assembly and finding just a handful of people that meet once a month and we get together and we're all mostly agnostic or atheist or non non non-spiritual or non-religious um just having a group of people that are like-minded and you don't even do that much you just hang out you talk um you know, you listen to a good, a good, a good speech, um, and then or a talk or something. Um, so having that community is really important. I found for me personally, like I really, I need that. I need mm-hmm. community. Um, so so yeah, nature's been really healing. Um, community and then having something like um, to give back, like through the podcast, like those mm-hmm. things to me are, are. That's I guess those are the things I've replaced. Uh, it sounds like a full life yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah Would it you is. say, you know, if you were going to evaluate happiness uh, when you were Christian and now that you're not, is there a is there a difference? Hmm. That's I interesting. I think I feel. Um, I guess there's not as many highs, there's not as many extremes. It's more of a steady, satisfied mm-hmm. peace. Uh, I think that it goes back to the whole angels and demons, good and bad, you know, 
you sort of feel like you're on a, on a roller coaster in Christianity, or at least I did. Um, and it probably was the way our lives were at the time were really stressful and, and chaotic and partly due to our life choices we made because we were Christ- Christian. Um, but I think now it's, it's more of a steady, calm happiness and satisfaction with life and finding, finding things that bring fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me growing up, I don't know that I ever had to search for happiness um, growing up because football was to me being happy. And I grew up in a fairly, you know, good uh, household with, you know, stable parents. And, um, and so I was just, I enjoyed sports a lot. It brought me a ton of happiness growing up. Then when that kind of went away and I grew up, you know, you can't play, you know, sports outside with your buddies, you know, (laughs) all the rest of your life. So you get older and you start having (laughs) to like do responsible things and, so you don't have that. And then losing, um, losing my, uh, faith, uh, left a void. And for the first time in my life, I had to think, you know, uh, like, what do I do? What makes me happy? Like, it was the first time I ever had to really think like, how do I find fulfillment? How do I find happiness? You know, it just had never even occurred to me. So, um, I don't know that the happiness is different between the two, but, um, the experience of realizing like, oh, actually being in a group of people brings me happiness. I never really mm-hmm. realized that or doing something to give back to people that brings me happiness. It's, it's really funny how, you know, as a kid, you never have to worry about that. You don't think about that kind of stuff. Well, at least I didn't. Um, so that's a difference for me is realizing um, that doing certain things really does make your life more full, like you were saying. So mm-hmm. what would be, if you were going to counsel somebody or just give somebody some helpful hints if they were going through this themselves. They had a religious upbringing and it just didn't really mean the same thing to them anymore. Um, What would you suggest to them as something that might help them pass through that and be satisfied on the other end? Yeah, I honestly like um, community is the first thing I think of find people that are like you that have gone through what you've gone through and talking about the process, especially if you're someone in a Christian community that your family's all Christian, you have no one you can talk to, um, being able to talk about what you're going through, the feelings you're having, you know, still being afraid of hell or still feeling shame about sexuality or, um, being lost and not knowing what to do with your life. Cause now God's not dictating it all those things, all those feelings and thoughts, like you need to get them out. And a lot of times, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe going to a therapist is, is the way to do that for some people. But, um, I think community is really a big deal. Having friends that support you, that understand what you're going through, whether or not they've gone Mm -hmm. through it or not, but just finding friends that are supportive of you and will hear you, hear you out. Um, to me, that's probably one of Mm -hmm. the biggest. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Chrissy? Um, I think I would just, you know, the, the phrase that comes to mind is it gets mm-hmm. better. Um, and I think, I think I would just encourage them to, to really have fun with figuring out who they are now that they're no longer defined by the church. Um, yeah, that's a really, that's awesome advice because that's something that both of us, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. that's something that both of us, like, that was, that was one of the biggest positives was all of a sudden, okay, you've lost a lot of things at this point, but then all of a sudden you go, oh my God, like, the universe is like, you know, in front of me and I can, 
I can go any direction I want. I can discover anything I want to. It's exciting. Yeah. So didn't you start is. to yeah. binge on movies when you first? Um... <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the funny things that um, we talk about or we we remember is we wouldn't go to movies like we might go to a PG yeah. movie, but we would never go to like anything higher than that, especially R, because um, or at least we tried not to. Um, so we didn't we weren't watching movies early in our marriage, and then we kind of started to progressively change our views like it's okay so we watched um lord of the rings was was coming out at that time and uh we hadn't seen any of the movies and the third movie was going to be in the theaters like within mm -hmm. a matter of weeks so we rented the first movie watched it rented the second movie the next week watched it and then you know we we saw lord of the rings in three weeks and um we kind of <laughs> felt like you know <laughs> so that's, everybody had to wait a year between so movies but we didn't that that wouldn't have been acceptable to your church to see lord of the rings no, to us, we were very like we were kind of extreme. We were very extreme because I elves mean, or something. What? What? What is the problem? You know what? Like honestly, if there was swearing in the movie, like that was bad. If there was any kind of cleavage in the movie, that was bad. If there was any kind of like innuendo, I mean, it was just really it was really extreme and really ridiculous. But like um, be in the world, but not of the world. So you yeah. know, have a clean mouth and and uh, surround yourself with things that that um, make you, I guess, more godly and a better Christian and don't surround yourself with things that that are of the world, you know? Right. So, like, we took that to, like, the, like, nth degree or whatever. Yeah. We just, like, as, as, as much as we could, we tried to just, I don't know, just live our lives completely absorbed by the church. And so yeah. your kids are teenagers yeah, no. now, right? Or at least your older one is. Yep, they, they both, both are, are actually. 13. Yeah. What would you mm -hmm. do if one or both of them said, you know, I, I really think that I'm religious. I think, um, I guess it depends. I, I think some, if they were, if they were to turn into what we had been just kind of obnoxious Bible thumpers, <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would have a really hard time with that, uh -huh. to be honest. But I, I want my kids to be able to go their own path and make their own decisions. And uh, we encourage them to do that. And, and I also think that kids tend to question their parents at a certain point. So I don't doubt that they, you know, they may have their own questions and that's a, a very personal um, decision to come to or realization. And so I, you know, I want to be supportive to them. Um, I think it would be hard because it, cr it can create some barriers in a relationship. It makes it difficult to talk about things. Um, you know, my dad was not religious, and I remember feeling immense guilt that he, um, that I was worried he was going to go to hell, and I wasn't doing enough mm -hmm. to save him. You know, and so I don't want my kids to feel mm -hmm. that ever. Um, so those are things I'd consider. But I think just if they're happy, I just want them to be happy. I, I, it would be hard if they became strong Christians. It would be hard because, you know, we've gone through so much, and it would mean that they don't. For me, it would mean that they don't understand what mm -hmm. we went through to some to some level. Um, not to make it about us, but you know, um, it would it would make me sad if they didn't really understand the process we went through. But if they do understand that, and whether they do or not, ultimately, um, I want them to be happy. So it's easier for atheist parents to look at their kids and say, you know, if you want to go to church, that makes you be a better person. If that makes you happy, as long as you're not shoving um, your morality or your um, your, you know, ideas about how people should live their lives. As long as you're not shoving that onto other people, I'm fine with it. Um, 
but you know the reverse is is more difficult once Christian parents and they're right. having to come to terms with an atheist son or daughter. So it, yeah, for me, it's as long as they're happy and um, they're good mm-hmm. people, I guess. Yeah, no, my mom has tried to figure out. She's still very Catholic. Um, she was a convert. They're the worst kind. And no, no Catholic would do that. It's like, what? <laughs> You're going to convert? Yeah, you converted <laughs> to this? <laughs> I was talking to a woman the other day who converted to Catholicism. And from a very intellectual perspective, I mean, she she had studied the theology. And, and there were nuns who were trying to talk her out of it. It's like, really? You want to do this? <laughs> Thank you so much for for talking with me about this because it's there are more and more people who are going through this for different reasons and it's interesting that both of you mentioned knowing gay people and how that just didn't agree with what your church said because it's like you know we both talked with uh, James Nagel about deconversion and he was saying how to me how a lot of people leave religion for religious reasons because it just there's a a sense of injustice about those old views that doesn't match what they know in their lives anymore um it's so it's very interesting just the fact that you guys were able to negotiate such major changes together you know and come out of it in the in the same place or in in complementary places relationships are hard (laughs) they're so hard and and to go through something like that together and with kids and with all the pressures you have I mean you're just incredibly strong people and I and I really really admire that how thoughtful and strong you are about all this so thank you uh, thanks for for talking with me about it those are very yeah those are very kind words and um you know we're really grateful to um that you invited us to share our story and um, it, it feels good to be able to talk about it. And yeah. so thanks for, um, for the opportunity. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks to Steve and Chrissy for telling their story. And thank you for listening. You can find links to their podcast and to other stuff we talk about on my website, www.meetyourmyth.com, and click on the Big Chew podcast. In my next episode, I'll talk with Jennifer Morgan about how knowing the epic of evolution of our universe can open a whole new way of living. Bye for now.